Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of Argyle Chat. Joining me today to look back on yet another fine win for the Greens is our football editor, Chris Errington. Hi, Chris. Hello, Stu. And without putting it mildly, we are honoured to be joined by football royalty today with England's record appearance holder, two-time European champion and former Argyle manager, Peter Shelton, joining us as well. Hello, Peter. Hello, boys. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on the show. Uh, very, very uh, kind of you to come on. It's great to have you on board, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, thank you very much, Peter. It's uh, good to be able to catch up with you and uh, particularly in good times for, for one of your former clubs, Plymouth Argyle, because they're doing so well in League One at the moment under Derek Adams. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I keep my eye on uh, on the results, and um, yeah, it's, uh, it was a great season last season, and obviously didn't start as well this season, did it? But um, now they're on a really good run at the moment, so uh, it's uh, hopefully onwards and upwards for the club. Yeah, no one could imagine the sort of turnaround, Pete, after the start they had. You know, it's it's been incredible. Six wins in a row. They're now up into the playoffs for the first time this season. come on to your time at the club in a bit we'll just uh, reflect on the game on Saturday Chris another win as I say six in a row for Argyle now they just keep coming it's like kind of like a good groundhog day almost it, it is you know it was seventh versus eighth in the table on Saturday so clearly it was a very important game for, for both teams who were looking to sort of uh, consolidate their playoff push and um, it was a tight game there wasn't a lot between the two teams uh, there was very few clear-cut chances I felt Argyle had the better of the opportunities um, they did have a good spell in the full, in the first half, and I think they deserve to take the lead. Anthony Sarsavic, the midfield player, who's done so well recently, scoring with the goal. Um, a deflected one, um, but sometimes, uh, as Peter will know, you know you have to ride your luck a little bit, and when it's going your way, you, you take those little uh, good breaks that you get. And uh, the thing I was most encouraged about, again, from Argyle, is you know when they get in the lead, they look so solid. They don't look like relinquishing the lead at the moment. And I guess that's confidence. I mean, P- Peter, I mean, you know how how much... How important is confidence to football players? You know, because you can work on the training ground and you can do all the tactics and all the formations and things like that. But but when you're winning week after week, that must make such a difference. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, it goes without saying. I think there's certain times this season when, um, judging by what you just said, you know, you need those results where there's not much in the game. You end up winning, you know, one 0 or by the odd goal. And um, it's nice to hear that you know they. They look solid when they get in front because you know you can't win every game playing fantastic football and by two or three goals. There's times, and um, this part of the season is one of those when you have to just just win, and it doesn't matter how well you play, you just win and get those points on the board. Yeah, that's right. Um, one player that we haven't really mentioned, Chris, is Zach Viner. He's come in obviously with the, the situation with Ryan Edwards. Mm-hmm. Um, Argo needed that centre half to come in, but it seems like he's come in and really made an already good defence even stronger yeah he's, he's done an excellent job just 20 years old Bristol City have got some good young players coming through their ranks you know Bristol City have had a great season in the championship uh, Joe Bryan and Bobby Reid have, have done very well for them this season having had loan spells earlier in their careers with Argyle and, and Zach Viner looks like another top prospect you know centre-backs don't tend to mature perhaps as quick as some other 
players in different positions. So for somebody of his age, you know, 20, to be putting in the strong performance that he's doing is uh, is excellent. You know, him and Sonny Bradley were up against Charlie Wyke on Saturday, who's a very um, proven League One striker, scored lots of goals for Bradford this season, and hardly gave him a kick. And um, yeah, you're right, I think Zach Viner has, deserves a lot of credit. But it's one of those at the moment where you look around the team and you can't really find anyone who's playing poorly. I mean, it, it really has clicked into a place remarkably well. Yeah. Uh, as we say, Peter, you, you took Argyle into the playoffs when you were in charge at Home Park. Do you see any parallels to the season when you are in charge and, and the season Argyle are having right now? Um, well, I, I, you know, we didn't start off quite as badly, I think, as Plymouth did this season. So, I mean, they've obviously had a tremendous run and... Um, you know, obviously you hope that you can keep that run going right to the end of the season. Normally teams have a great run and then they maybe have a few, two or three games where there's a dip in form and then you, you come again and um, you have a good run at the end which either gets you promotion or gets you in the playoffs. Um, I think, you know, we, uh, I remember the season we got in the, in the playoffs when we were top of the league, you know, um, at some points in the season. You know, we were playing some fantastic football. I think at the end of the season, uh, one thing I was very proud of, we scored more goals than any other team in all four divisions uh, from a, a team I took over that uh, I think were the lowest scorers. So we played some really good football. But I don't think there's kind of quite the same uh, similarity. You know, we were up there and um, and it was only really sort of the last game of the season where we, we won eight one away from home and unfortunately Port Bell beat Brighton and we... We didn't go automatically, but at the moment, Plymouth look as though you know they need to keep the form going to to obviously get in the playoffs and um, you know and have a chance to um, you know to, to get up that way. Peter, hey, so I've, I've got um, a copy of a book here called uh, Plymouth Argyle: The Modern Era, a complete record. It's written by um, Andy Riddle that came out a few years ago, and I was just looking uh, back at that playoff season you've just talked about, and and, and in the section uh, for the season, he's got high spots. And the high spots were scored more goals than any other side in the league, as you've just touched upon. Equaled the club's biggest victory with an 8-1 win at Hartlepool. Peter Shilton wins December Manager of the Month award. Exciting style of play to reach the playoffs. Alan Nichols selected for England under-21 side. 21 goals from midfielder Steve Castle. I mean, for some of our younger listeners and for the older fans, just to jog their memory, that was some season, wasn't it? And um, I still get people come up to me and say it's the best football I've ever seen at, at, at But that was the, you know, the way we played the game. You know, we had players that could hurt the opposition. We had creative players. We had, um, you know, goal scorers. Um, I think three players were brought: Steve Castle, Paul Dalton, uh, and Kevin Nugent up front. I think scored 55 goals between them alone. So, you know, we're an attacking team, and we had um, a young goalkeeper, you know, in Alan Nichols who. Who, you know, we bought for five thousand pounds. Who did exceptionally well for it, and as you say, managed to um, to get me on the twenty-one uh, squad. Um, so you know, we 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 um, we were basically an attacking team, you know. And sometimes, um, you know, but then when we had to go and defend, we we did. And certain the way games, we had to obviously defend well to to you know get a result. Yeah, have to say actually, Pete, when we said when we put out onto uh, social media that you were coming on the show. That was a pretty common comment. Was that it was some of the most entertaining football Argyle fans had, had seen in quite some time. So uh, yeah, certainly I think, holding. I think we were a bit, bit unlucky in the playoffs. I think we we went up to Bolton and got that sort of 
you know, that nil-nil draw that you needed up there, you know, the batting performance, uh, you know, um, you know, and at the end of the day, we, we were happy with that to come back to Argyle and having got one nil up, you know, it was, it was sort of, uh, you know, we can do this. And then they hit on the break, two goals right on half-time breakaways, which stunned everybody, including me. And in the second half, we just absolutely, it's one-way traffic, and it was only a matter of time before we got the equaliser and hopefully went on to win it. And unfortunately, uh, young Nichols dropped across 10 minutes to go, and they tapped it in, which was probably one of his few mistakes. And of course, that was it, end of story. So, you know, it was a disappointing end to what was a great season. Yeah. Just going back to this season, Pete, what have you made of the job being done by Derek Adams? Obviously, he came in for a little bit of stick earlier this season when things weren't going quite so well, but he's kind of come through that and he's he's back as uh, very much in favour again now. Yeah, I mean, he's done a terrific job at the club, just, you know, getting them up last season. You know, it's never easy, you know, uh, those those lower leagues to, to, to get out of them. You know, and, and, and sometimes you do get a little bit of reaction. I mean, I think I did the season after, um, you know, we did really well in the playoffs and, and, and say talking about the game when we, we failed to, to get promoted. Um, you know, we, we started poorly, but I think in our case, it was, we had so many injuries. I remember Steve Castle came back with yellow jaundice, Paul Dalton broke his leg. We had so many injuries at the beginning of the season, it was like some of upstairs wasn't really looking down on us and we had a, not a great start to the season um, he also made a big signing in, in Peter Swan who basically didn't settle in the area and, and really I think it affected him a little bit and he, he didn't really do what we thought he was going to do he was a player that could play central off and centre forward which was ideal for us because we needed a little bit of height and strength in those positions um, but you know it's, it's difficult when you actually you know, start a season badly to turn it around. And obviously he has, you know, they're on the run now. Um, my one thought is, you know, because they've had such a great one run, um, you know, can they keep that going now? Are they going to have another little dip yeah. some part where, you know, they suddenly realise they've got a chance of getting up? And um, well, hopefully not. And I think he's done a terrific job at the club. Yeah. The, the one stat I was just going to mention, Stu, that came out last week is that since Derek Adams has been the manager of Argyle in the summer of 2015, no one out of the 92 Premier League and EFL clubs has won more league games than Argyle. And, you know, that, yeah. take, that, takes some, that takes some doing. Like, over yeah. a two-and-a-half-year period, to say you've got more wins than any other club in that period, yeah. that's, that's fantastic. And, and it's not an easy club to manage, Argyle. And no. That's not being disrespectful to the club. But, no. um, you know, I think the geographics of the club, you know, for yeah. a manager... Uh, it makes it very difficult because, you know, not everybody, everybody loves to come down, you know, to the West Country for a holiday, but not <laughs> people want to, want, to, want to live down there. And, you know, and I, you know when you start in Paris from, from uh, you know, in the north, for example, um, you know, some of their families don't want to move all the way down and, and live down that because it's so far away. And it's, to attract players is not easy. I mean, I, I came up with the idea, which I... I learned from Laurie McMenemy at Southampton. He made Southampton the sort of club where they looked after you so well. You know, you, it was a lovely part of the world to live, but the club were brilliant. He was a great manager. He looked after the families. And he kind of attracted players like that. And, and I felt that was the way to go with our goal. You know, it was, we wanted to make everybody come down, you know, that they were totally looked after. It didn't quite work out that way, to be fair, because... 
said as well you mentioned Dan McCauley there but also credit to the Argyle chairman uh, James Brent you know for, for standing by Adams because when they have that dodgy run it would be so easy for the chairman to, to say that's it we need to make a change and get rid of the manager yeah well football needs need chairman like that you know when a manager gets you promoted and then you start off poorly you know you know it does as I say it can be for a number of reasons you know um, you know maybe because of injuries um, but you know a manager just needs time, and uh, a chairman. It's nice to have chairman who, you know, don't just set managers, you know, just off the cuff. Really, um, you know, you have to have mutual respect, and and it's great. You know, there's obviously chairman in football now that you know we see week in week out, don't we? You know, they just don't understand the game. They don't understand how hard it is to be a manager, and um, out comes the um, you know the the sacking, and uh, we try and get somebody else in who, who sometimes more than often doesn't do um, as good a job. No, that's right. Peter, how, how did it come about? How did you become the Plymouth Argyle manager? Well, I was at Derby County as a player. Um, I played 18 months uh, there after I sort of retired from England um, after the World Cup in uh, Italian 90 where we got to the semi-final. Um, and I felt it was time for me to start. I always fancied going into management and always having played under some great managers um, thought I'd got a, a good idea of, of what to do and what it was about and I noticed the Argyle job had come up um, and to be fair I'd, I'd had a holiday home uh, not far from Plymouth for 20 odd years and knew the area very well knew the pitfalls but knew the potential and um, you know had a meeting with the with the board and um, it, it, it just, just went very well and, and I think they were delighted to me. I started signed as a player manager to start with, um, but having signed Alan Nichols and realised that the amount of travelling that I had to do um, to watch games, which you have to do when you've, when you, you know, my first job in management to sort of get uh, watching games and players, etc. Um, I found it impossible to do both, but you know, Alan Nichols made my mind up for me, and, and obviously it was it was a good reason to um, to sort of temporary and my boots up. Yeah. Uh, we had a question from Chris Gould who's asking how difficult was it to work with Dan McCauley? Um, <laughs> very, very. Because, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, he, he, he didn't have control of the club when I, when I was um, employed by Argyle and he did get control. And, and to be fair, he was a difficult man. He, he, you know, he seemed to want to do certain things his own way. I mean, I, you know... I mean, I remember when I, I just signed to the club and, you know, uh, the physio left and went to uh, Man City and uh, I got a, a physio down um, from, um, I think it's from Preston and within a month he said, look, I cannot bring my family down because Mr. McCauley's going to back on everything he promised me and I just don't want to work, you know, I'm not going to pay to do it. And I, I sort of challenged uh, McCauley and he just always said, well, we, you know, we had loads of injuries at the time I don't it's just we had a couple of spells where we had these injuries and um, he said well we need to get a physio on the NHS so we had this lady come in twice a week and I thought well you know that's not the sort of thing you do when you find somebody like myself and you want to really push the club forward you know to be so unprofessional and that was just a, a small part of it I remember he, we played at Bolt once and he wanted to travel up on the morning of the game because he wasn't prepared to pay for the hotel 
leaving at about five o'clock in the morning, which was again totally unprofessional, not the sort of thing you do. But you know, when it, you know, he tried to stop a few transfers, I did. But thankfully, the rest of the board members I thought were a good bunch, and um, and saw it through. And in the end, I think we 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 got a pretty decent team, and it was only really a poor start to the season, having got a new contract that gave me the opportunity to sort of um, to sort of get me out, you know. Yeah. Another question from Tony. Why did you think Plymouth Argyle was the right club for you to start out in management? And did being in charge of them put you off as they were to be your only club? In management, I should say, obviously. not. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think I've answered, you know, the reason. I think the potential is there, you know, Argyle. I mean, if they were, you know, in the Premier League, they would be, you know, I mean, packed houses. And, and the potential of the ground there, you know, to expand it because, you know, it's in that sort of area. You know, the training facilities in Home Park, you know, was was way ahead of the time. So there was a lot of potential at the club, you know, to go further. I think that was, you know, there was a new board that seemed to be very ambitious, uh, you know, and, and obviously all these things put together, you know, um, it's not easy always to get your first job in management. And, you know, I felt that um, it was the right opportunity to for me to go there. Peter, um, uh, we've got a question from Drew Savage. Now, Drew's a, a, an Argyle fan who also works for the BBC and he does um, some of the commentaries for away games on Radio Devon. So um, he's a big Argyle fan. He's got a two-part question. He said, um, who was the best footballer you signed for Argyle, just in terms of ability? And assuming it may be someone different, who was the best signing you made in terms of how effective they were for the team? Um, uh, the best footballer was McCall. Steve McCall, you know, I signed him for £25,000 from uh, from Sheffield Wednesday. He was a left-back at the time, you know, quite an experienced player. Um, I remember uh, Trevor Francis, actually, who obviously is uh, from, from, uh, from the area. Uh, he was manager at Sheffield Wednesday. He said, that, you know, you can't go far wrong with, with uh, you know, with McCall. And we played him in midfield, and he was a player of the year for two years running. He was... His fitness levels were superb, you know, he had that little bit of extra vision, you know, he could he could make things happen. He was great around the club and uh, yeah, he he was you know, he was uh, a terrific signing. And uh, I, I think Steve Castle, you know, the captain in midfield to score I think it's twenty five odd goals, something like that, from midfield. Um, you know, I wouldn't say you know, he was like the, the McCall-type midfielder that would sort of play little intricate balls, but he could do enough in midfield at, at the level we were at. But he was just an out-and-out goal scorer. You know, it's a bit like Brian Robson. He would get in the box. You know, he could score from 30 yards. He had a great left foot. And, um, yeah, he, he sort of repaid us. And it was that final season when he when he came back with Yellow Jordan that was a massive blow to us, you know. Yeah. Steve Castle would be worth a few quid in the transfer market now, wouldn't he, Peter? Yeah, well, they're both fortunate. Yes, but, yeah. But a goal scorer, you know, he's, he's, he's always, you know, massive, especially from midfield. You get Normally you get 10 goals from midfield, but, you know, to get that amount. But, he, you know, the players he plays with, you know, we had uh, Dalton, who, who, you know, he scored 15 goals, but he, he was a great provider. And Kevin Nugent and Castle played together at Orient, and Nugent knew how to, you know, he, he could lay the ball off, it go wide, next thing you know, Castle was in the box and uh, on the end of the cross. So, uh, no, it was uh, it's, it's great, great combination play, really. I think I'm right in saying that, that the, the goals that Steve Castle scored that season was, is, is it still the most number of goals scored 
in, in a season since since then. Since I think. then, yeah. yeah so I mean, it's, it's certainly standing the, the test of time is, yeah. in terms of goal scoring. So yeah, I mean, it was before my time covering the the Argyle for the Herald, but you know, I I talked to lots of fans and 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 everyone has great things to say about Steve Castle. Yeah, I suppose the only player. He was a good captain. He yeah. was a good captain as well. He was a leader. You know, he he could take responsibility. He had an opinion which I didn't mind. You know, and he was. I think he respected me, and I listened to. It. If you had an opinion, I listened to it, and then told him it was wrong. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit of Brian Clough coming out. Of it. Yeah, I listened to it for twenty minutes, and then I thought, and then we did what I said. <laughs> I think that's what you need, though. When you're a, a sort of rookie manager and you come in, you need to make, and you're making your, your key signings. You need to have that person on the pitch that you can trust, who will then in turn get the trust of all the players. Yeah. I think he led by example, you know, he, he, he was the sort of Manhattan sort of player, you know, and if he wasn't playing well, he would try and, you could see his frustration and he'd try and get himself out of a bad game, you know, you could see him then get frustrated with himself, and I think that attitude rubbed off on, on, on the players, you know, he was, uh, he was good, he was good, he was a good captain. Yeah. Uh, Ed Lockett is asking, how much was geography an issue in player recruitment? You, you touched on it earlier, it sounded like it was a real issue for you. As it is for many yeah, other managers. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I did a little bit of, um, of, of Clough and Taylor, you know, when I, I kept in Nugent, for example, I got him down here and I wouldn't let him leave until he'd signed. And I think, <laughs> I, you know, he wanted to think about it and I thought, well, when you go back to London and you think about it, or, you know, it, it might... And Paul Dalton was another one, he was from Hartlepool, you know, and, and um, I mean, I, I even said to Tim, look, you know, we might have to put some flight tickets in for his family to fly back up north every now and again, you know, four or five times a year, you know, to to persuade these people to come down. But in the end, I think that persuasive powers worked, and, and Dalton was was uh, was a big hit. You know, he was uh, he was a he was a, a terrific goal scorer for a winger, and he was a winger. Come he could come inside and go through the middle as well and score goals and, and provide crosses. He he, he was he, he did well for us, you know. Yeah, not just in terms of, job, uh, of of player recruitment was geography an issue, but you know you talk about going to watch games and you know the travel arrangements before you went up to Bolton, things like that. It's it's just such a difficult area for for anyone yeah. to, to manage really. And we didn't we didn't have a believe it or not they didn't have a, um, a you know scouting system in place. I think there's one gentleman who came down and I, I forgot his name who who wasn't anything really to do with football who gave reports. Um, and, and you know, what was if I, you know, I got sort of ten scouts around the country that that I could rely on. And in, in fact, that was one of the major things. I got uh, called David Coates, who I knew very well from my time at Leicester, in based in the Midlands. To, you know, to to to, um, to come on as the chief scout, and he knew obviously a few of the people as well. And the, you know, I had to battle the chairman to get to get him on board because. You know, he was the one that recommended Dalton, you know, and uh, a few other players. Um, but, you know, to travel as a manager, you know, to, I used to go up to London for two days and watch a game in the afternoon, watch a game in the evening, watch another game in the afternoon, and then watch a game in the evening and come home. Well, you know, that is that is quite uh, quite demanding, you know, and that's the sort of thing when you haven't got a scouting system. I would imagine now they have got a better scouting system. But when I was there... You know, it was non-existent, and that made it even harder for me. You know, it must be really difficult to come from big clubs like Forest and everywhere, everywhere else that you'd been to Plymouth Argyle, and that the whole infrastructure is completely different 
know, you, you, you've got to do it gradually. You can't come in and say, oh, for goodness sake, this is not what I'm used to. You know, but Argonne, as I said, was, was, you know, was quite a big club. I mean, the training facilities were terrific. Um, you know, it's just like you say, the infrastructure. I think it was a new board, and, and obviously, um, of course, didn't really have any idea about to be a chairman at a football club. Um, and that was hard work, you know, but the rest of the board, as I said earlier on, was supportive. And I, I tried to do as much as I could, you know, to, to try and, you know, change the attitude within the club and put certain things in place, but it wasn't easy. Mm. Uh, another question from Richard Sloman. How did you deal with going from working with World Cup quality players just two years before to third division quality? Did you find it difficult, frustrating, refreshing? John Morrison was a half-time guest a couple of weeks ago at Home Park, so um, he's yeah. he's been back recently. And Nicky Marcus still lives down in uh, this part of the world, Peter. So um, yeah, yeah. I think I think in terms of Nicky, he was a really good pro. John at the time, um, you know, he had a few problems living in the area. It was a bit of um, he was a bit of a character, you know. Although I liked him very much, he was a, he, he, you know he was a bit of a fighter, but in many ways, if you understand what I mean. And I think at the time it did him well. to be fair, went on uh, pretty decent careers. I mean, mm. Nicky Barker went on and won the Premier League at Blackburn yeah. and Morrison, I think he was quite a key part of Man City in, in their early sort of yes. rise from League One. Yeah, no, they, they, so. both, they both did very well. Yeah, 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 yeah they, did, they did fine, yeah, you know, they did okay. Yeah, I think, I, you know, uh, I don't think they were sort of, you know, 
you know, complete regulars at clubs, but they did okay, you yeah. know. And, and uh, like I say, you know, they they were they could play a little bit, which was the main thing, you know. Yeah, and you say you got half a million for each as well. You know, that's that's good money back in that day. Well, it was, yeah. And like we say, we bought we bought about six players, or you know, uh, certainly the three players I talked about. Um, yeah. You know, we spent quite a bit on those and one or two others. So we we came a bit we came a better team, and I think they probably obviously you know helped their careers. You know, so it was it was worked both ways, really. You know. Yeah. Uh, what did you take? Uh, Question here from John Snedden. Do you feel you had unfinished business at Argyle and was your time there short-lived? Yeah, I did feel as though I had unfinished business. Cause, you know, we, as I say, if you look back, our injuries uh, at the start of that second, um, I think it's my third season, uh, I mean, you know, got promoted, uh, missed out in the playoffs. Um, you know, it wasn't an easy start. We did sign a uh, local Peter Swan who didn't really come off. Um, you know, I, I was more interested in signing a striker with a little bit of pace and a centre back who's, you know, got a little bit of strength. Um, but, you know, we sort of board felt that, you know, Peter Swan, they wanted to go for him. And uh, he could, like I said earlier, he could play central or centre board. But again, he didn't produce what he had done at Port Valley. He didn't really settle in the area, and I don't think his family did. And I think he's one of those players that, you know, if he wasn't happy, he could sort of affect other players. And, and uh, unfortunately, I don't think he sort of quite came off the way we thought he would. And uh, maybe that had a, a, a bit of something to do with it, but I'd already fallen out with Courtney. And, um, you know, I, I don't think he wanted to work with me. And I think in the end, I didn't want to work with him. I think that was probably the reason. Yeah. Did it put you off managing football teams, Pete? You know, because it was your, your one and only job in management. Did it? Was that kind of it for you? You didn't want to go back into it? Um, no, I, I, I did. Um, you know, I did, to be fair. Um, but I think, you know, that when you finish your clubs, if, if, if you know, there are rumours that go around, oh, he does this and he did that. And, and I think the one thing was that, you know, the job I did at Argyle, if I'd have been doing that in the Midlands or in London, where there's loads of clubs and people... Yeah you know, know what you've done, then I think I probably would have got another job quite quickly. Um, but I think being so far away from the mainstream, I think, you know, certain, uh, you know, you don't get certain credit probably I deserve. And I tried one or two jobs, but it didn't, didn't sort of come off. And uh, I thought, no, I'm going to try something a bit different. And, uh, you know, I sort of moved in other areas, really. And I do regret it a little bit, because I do feel that was, that was really my vocation really to be a football manager you know yeah uh, one final question what did you take away from your time at Argyle what were the, the best and worst moments for you um, the best moments were I think obviously you know getting in the playoffs getting the nil-nil draw at Burnley feeling that we were going to go back to Sporters Argyle and uh, you know and, and, and get to the playoffs um, I think topping the league I remember we beat Rotherham away and we went top of the league and it was a great feeling to go to go top of the league, you know, in, in two years, you know, from where from where we were at when I took over. You know, that was obviously uh, you know, uh, was, was obviously a massive highlight to be fair. And um, to score more goals than any other team in all four divisions, you know, I think that showed, you know, the style of football we played and, you know, I think it's it's not always easy to gain success with and play really brilliant. Yeah, had 
to ask you about the low moments as well. The bad moments, uh, I remember we lost 7-1 at Brentford. It was one of those games. Um, and uh, I think they every time they attacked with a chance, they scored. Um, you know, I wouldn't, we weren't at our best, but they were brilliant. Um, and never forget, we had, you know, we were due to go and meet the, um, the supporters of the Southern Branch afterwards. And obviously a lot of players weren't in the mood to go, but I insisted that we went. And obviously the fans were a little bit down, but we went and we still met them and said, look, we're sorry, obviously we've let you down a bit, but, um, you know, we turned up. And I think that's, that was, you know, not easy to do at the time, really. Um, you know, and I think, I think the fact that, um, you know, I left on a, on, a, on a sour note, really. I think, you know, we didn't have a good start to the season, but I think there were reasons for that. And, um, you know, it was sort of, oh, I hadn't been successful at the club. And, uh, you know, I left, whereas I felt there were reasons why we were down at the league. And, um, you know, eventually I would have turned it around. But um, that's probably, you know, one of the reasons that I was pretty sad to leave. You know, I felt in management I had a future and fortunately it didn't work out that way. If, if it's any consolation, Peter, we've had a, a lot of reaction from people since we um, announced that you were going to be our guest today, and uh, all of the reaction was very positive and you know, you know, grateful for what you did for the club, but particularly that playoff season. Um, like I say, it was before my time. I was uh, reporting for the Herald. Graham Hamley was the uh, the Herald's correspondent at the time then, but uh, everyone you talk to says that really was a fantastic season of football. So um, yeah, I think somebody wrote a book. The, the nearly men or something yeah. and uh, I thought that was uh, that was very harsh you know to sort of start labelling the team the nearly men I mean you know it, the, the, the way they played football the way they achieved the amount you know goals they scored you get beat one game which we, it was like the England Pona match in 1973 when we could have played till Christmas and we wouldn't have won it was one of those games I think their keeper Marlon Beresford had a blind that night stopped everything and we just couldn't get the equaliser. And then, um, of course, I described earlier on their, their uh, third goal. So, you know, we played. We didn't play badly. It just it didn't go for us on the night, you know. Yeah. You must also have been very proud. You, you mentioned him earlier on, Alan Nichols, the goalkeeper that you bought through. Obviously, very sort of tragic end with, with Alan. But you must have been really proud to have bought him in for such a cheap fee and, and see him go on and, and represent England. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I think, you know, he'd had a few problems. Uh, at once, you know, he was he was accused of a few things, and you know, I, I just I always, you know, gave him I gave him a chance, second chance really, and I think he really respects me. You know, I think you know he had ability, and, and um, we got the best out of him, and he got got his mind right, and you know, he, he had a great he had a very great couple of seasons. You know, he did. To be fair to me, he had you know tragic end as we all know. You know. And he, his parents have been terrific, you know, they wrote to me. Um, you know, he got in the under-21s and he didn't take advantage of that. <clears throat> I think he, you know, didn't get some good reports back. He, he was a bit of a character, I don't know. Um, you know, he sort of um, didn't do as well as we, we'd hoped on that. But, you know, it was a terrific signing, you know, and he did tremendously well for us. He was a character, I think the crowd took to him. So, um, you know, it was, it, I was so, so sad to hear you know, when he, when he died, you know. Yeah. Well, as I say, that's, uh, that was the last of the questions. Pete, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. What are you, what are you actually up to these days then? Um, yeah, I, um, I, I recently got married for the second time, uh, just, just, uh, just um, uh, over a year ago now. 
me and my wife started our own uh, management company up and basically to manage me at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I've got a you know ambassador contract with different companies. Um, one in um, one in Seattle in in America that does uh, football, you know, training equipment, very high tech stuff, which is the future of football. Um, I do uh, you know I do a lot of uh, speaking uh, after dinner, motivational for companies, etc., which I really enjoy. It's, it's something I've, I've perfected, and uh, I've had you know people say I'm one of the best speakers around. And I've got a, a film coming out, which is very exciting. Secrets, which is my take on the technique of goalkeeping, because I think over the last 15 years or so, since I've been in with foreign coaches coming in and what have you, um, you know, it's changed completely, and, and some of the, the techniques that goalkeepers use, I don't feel is right. So it's my take, my lasting legacy. It's not training exercises, you know, diving here, diving there. It's actually the technique you put into the training exercises. So I'm looking forward to bringing that out. Yeah, what do you make of goalkeepers these days? It's very, it's very different to your day. Well, exactly. That's you know some of the techniques used. Um, it's it's different as well because the you know the, the goalkeeper's role in terms of distribution has changed completely. Um, you know, coaches are wanting goalkeepers to be outfield players, and in some respects, then that's fine. You know, I think the problem starts when you're trying to ask a goalkeeper to, to take too many risks because eventually it's going to end up in the back of the net. And the goalkeeper's going to get blamed, and, and you know I think it's uh, it's okay as long as you don't put too much pressure. But no, you know it's um, it's changed, and that's why I brought out uh, Shield Secrets because I want to sort of put you know my technique methods uh, back into obviously hopefully some of the younger goalkeepers coming through because some of the techniques coming out all going through keepers and under them and etc. Um, is uh, not what I would have. I've done in my time, you know. Yeah. When when's that coming out? Sorry. When's it coming out? It'll be uh, probably another month's time. We we're not sure on which vehicle we're going to bring it out at yet. What we're going to use, um, but obviously uh, we will be publicising um, what we've uh, we've got a few hands in the fire as regards how we're going to how we're going to do it, you know. But uh, I can't say at the moment definitely which way it's going to go. It may come out on an app. It may be used uh, in in, um, in goalkeeping schools we're just we're just working out that yeah okay we'll keep us in the loop Pete and uh, if there's anything we can do obviously we'll uh, we'll give you some uh, some publicity no that's brilliant thanks very much but as I say thanks ever so much for joining us on the show that's uh, pretty much all we've got time for this week Chris thank you to you as well for joining me my pleasure yeah. and thanks to you out there for listening we'll be back again with more of the same next week bye bye We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.